1: And, of course, anything you want to ask me, we do everything from uh, advice to uh, political and social and cultural analysis. I just don't do uh, medical advice or what else? Medical or financial or legal, I suppose. Those are the three categories I'm not allowed to do. 602-5080-960 if you'd like to be uh, join the show, be joining the show. Uh, I'll do my monologue at the top of the third hour, and I'm going to do a deep dive into the January 6th committee hearings From last night, you want to talk about them before? Then happy to do so. I want to also talk about the new inflation numbers. Let me just um, say a thing about those hearings, real quickly. Uh, Just as an odd thought, I had after um, after watching them. You know, we are talking about we we are watching in live uh, live last night. I suppose we are talking about a crime that took place a year and a half ago. (laughs) excuse me, a year and a half ago, that has effectively been solved. Everyone involved in it that was involved in it has been indicted or arrested. And now we're having these theoretical hearings, which is the exact opposite of how things usually get done with either actual crimes or political crimes or the intersection of both. Think about it with me for a moment. I suppose if you're in a movement that is attempting and hell-bent on attempting to revise history, you're willing to revise the normal process of how chronology and history works. There is an order, a natural order to these things an abecedarian effect, if you will. A, almost always in any culture I know comes before B, one comes before two. You think about any of the most famous crimes. Let's do the political ones, if that's the easiest, or the intersection of the political and the actual. Iran-Contra, there were hearings, and then came the indictments, and then came the arrests, and then came... The plea bargains. Uh, Watergate. Watergate hearings. Lots of shows about Watergate. Sam Irvin held hearings. And then came the arrests and the indictments and the prison. Um, Think about it in almost any other situation you can think of. We don't usually do the investigation after the indictment and the arrest, what does that reek of to you? What does that sound like to you? What is is redolent about that to you, where the investigation is taking place after the roundup, after the incarceration, after the arrests? What are they trying to prove? What are they trying to show? What are they trying to get to? That's, I think, what is so odd about all these hearings and the alarms and excursions around them. Think about it. Think about that. Are you right now being put through some kind of odd political hoax through these hearings? Because I'm not sure. Congress can hold hearings on anything they can hope to pass legislation on. I don't even know what legislation they are contemplating to pass here, except perhaps some last-ditch effort to ensure that Donald Trump is ineligible to run for president again. Well, they're not going to be able to pass that legislation. And I don't think they're going to come anywhere within 10 miles of passing that legislation if they're within two miles of it now after November. I think they are trying to throw as much pie at a wall and see what sticks to avoid the fate they are hurling towards this November. But the problem with trying to get pie to stick against a wall is it never will. It simply cannot. It cannot be done. Try it. Effort it. Think about it. You can't do it. So today comes the news that inflation has hit. Another 40-year record. Two months ago, it hit a 40-year record. We beat it. We beat it. We beat it today. Think about the arrests I saw. the Hundreds of fentanyl pills that have been seized at the border in several sectors just this past week, with fentanyl now being the leading cause of death of 18 to 45-year-olds. That's the in a sense, most vital age period of an American's life, 18 to 45. Fentanyl dosing is now the leading cause of death. You heard me say that right, fentanyl dosing. I'm tired of the language games. I'm tired of talking about overdosing. Overdosing implies that you overdid it, that there's a safe use for the illegal use of fentanyl. There isn't. I'm calling it. Fentanyl dosing. I'm not doing overdosing anymore. I'm not playing these games anymore. The time for these rhetorical and linguistic games to normalize and create some form of safe space to use things like opiates illegally is over as far as I'm concerned. We've got a crisis where millions, millions of illegal aliens, illegal immigrants have come across our border Since Joe Biden has become president, we have violent crime racking our major cities, including cities we never thought of as being part of it. Tucson is one of them. Tucson is one of the top 10 cities for unprecedented highs in violent crime. And I just wonder sometimes when this period might be looked back on, assuming we're able to rescue The normal work of history and what the history books might say or what the kids might say once they become adults to their parents. Gee, mom and dad. When one hundred and ten thousand Americans were killed by drugs and when crime was raging through the cities and there was inflation that beat out any kind of wage gain and drove Americans batty with gas prices and food shortages, including for babies. What were you guys doing? What were you guys doing? Oh, you were talking about a 17-month-old crime that had been solved? That's what you were doing? That's what you were spending your time on? There are ways to ruin this country, and you can do it deliberately, and you can do it by leisure domain or sleight of hand. We'll get to the deliberate in just a moment. But I want you to think about the sleight of hand last night, and I'll do this more formally and more expansively and more in-depth in my monologue in the third hour. Happy to take your calls on any of this until then, of course. But let's talk about the deliberate thing, because that's been on my mind. We floated this idea earlier in the week. Are they doing it deliberately, or do they just have a different idea of what's good? Is their definition of good and evil from the devil's or Wolf's Dictionary? Do they just have a misprioritized idea of what good is, or are they deliberately trying to wreck us? John Hinderocker over at Powerline writes up, inflation is the number one issue in America today, and the price of gasoline is the most important and most visible sign of the Biden administration's failure. That's bad enough, but many Americans are catching on to the fact that liberals are driving the price of energy sky high on purpose. The Trafalgar Group, which is a bipartisan polling organization, finds that most Americans do think the Biden administration is doing it intentionally, deliberately. The question they ask specifically, do you believe the Biden administration is intentionally letting gas prices rise to make Americans use less fossil fuels? Answer, yes, 53 percent, no, 39.6 percent, undecided, seven and a half percent. Fifty six percent of independents in this survey said the Biden administration is deliberately driving gas prices up they are correct liberals have been bobbing and weaving on energy prices for a long time the truth the truth is they want them higher politically it's hard to admit lately though democrats have been acknowledging that stratospheric energy prices are part of their planned transition to an allegedly green economy it's much like the transition from driving on pavement to being smashed to smithereens when you drive off a cliff be bad enough for Democrats if Americans were being devastated by high prices attributable to global economic factors. The fact that the administration is doing it on purpose will lead to white hot anger when voters go to the polls in November, and I think it should be even whiter and hotter when you think about what they're spending your time on in prime time. six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Midas Gold Group has intel that you will want. They have in their crosshairs a serious concern about economic flattening of historic proportions that are commencing this year. Time is of the essence to protect your investment. Call Midas Gold Group to find out what they've analyzed and put together to discuss this with them. See if precious metals are important or good for your portfolio. They have the intel. They have the experience. They have it all. MidasGoldGroup.com. The only precious metal dealer I, Seb Gorka, and thousands of you already trust. MidasGoldGroup.com. I love my Wilfrids. Two Wilfrids on this show. Wilfred Riley and Wilfred McClay. Wilfred Riley comes... On a lot, Clay does too. Riley tweets a little bit more. He's so fun to watch on Twitter. If you're looking for conservative and entertainment and really smart, follow Wilfred Riley. He he just tweeted an interesting social trend: is that we are currently creating a vast swath of BS jobs, E S G S E L D E I, most H R things like Greek life here in academia to house all of the otherwise unemployable lower elites that modern universities are overproducing. It's worth noting. This means an old business world canard. You can't go to college under legacy or affirmative action standards, major in nonsense and expect a fortune 500 company to hire you was actually wrong for, it was actually wrong for comp, complex reasons, this stuff emphatically didn't stay on the campus. How many times have I talked about that? The lab leak that was much more toxic than what came out of Wuhan. We had a lab leak that affected our brains more than our lungs, and it came from the ivory towers. We convinced ourselves the neo-Marxist and classical Marxist nonsense kids were spouting when they came home from spring or Christmas break would disappear when they entered the real world. Nope. They packed it in a suitcase, took it to the real world, and converted it. And now they run it. They run it. The elites run it. The vast American people, I don't think, are accepting it. Though I think an equally vast part or subpart of them, percentage-wise, feels they can't do anything about it. And they just have to kind of quietly... Go along with it. Think of that great Vaclav Havel essay. You want some weekend reading assignment? Here it is: "The Power and the Powerlessness" by Vaclav Havel, 1978, I believe. You can get it online. Vaclav Havel was a um, was well, yes. Ultimately, he became the president of the Czech Republic. But when there was a country called Czechoslovakia run by communists, he was in prison. And He wrote the power of the Powerlessness. He has this wonderful description. I don't have it in front of me, but he has this wonderful description postulating the notion of a. I think he calls him a green grocer, but you know, uh, think of Mister. <laughs> think, 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 think. If you if you've ever been to Boston or you know whatever, a fruit stand, uh, a guy who runs a, a gal or a guy of family that runs a fruit stand, they hang a sign in their window: "Workers of the world, unite!" Not because they believe it, or not because they believe it necessarily. But because they have to, they have to post that sign. They are compelled by the culture and the government that if they want customers, if they want to stay out of surveillance's way, if they want not to be arrested, if they want to keep their work permits, if they don't want tax audits, they have to mouth the party line, capital P, party. I say capital capital P because That's how George Orwell discusses it in 1984. Do keep in mind, George Orwell wrote 1984 about what he was seeing taking place in the Soviet Union. It is an analysis of that. That's why it's so chilling to read it in the context of the goings on today and here. That's why it should be so instructive, not chilling, but instructive to read the kind of things Vaclav Havel or Milan Kundera in in his book Laughter and the Art of Forgetting, another Czech dissident. It's worth reading what they went through and what they're telling us through their immortal words. It's why it's worth looking at, I think I was making this point just yesterday, and I believe it to my core. I think it's going to be our salvation, quite honestly, why it's worth looking in political races at candidates who may have immigrated here from other countries who are running when you're choosing your primary, when you're choosing your primary candidates who are running in the Republican primary, what country did they leave and why is it they are a Republican here today? For again and again and again you will see a repeated pattern that the countries, their families or they left were either Marxist-dominated or Islamist-dominated or— the toxic confluence of both. By the way, there is that to the entire effort at political Islam. It's a great book on it called Terrorism and Liberalism by Paul Berman from about two thousand two or two thousand three. If you're interested in that ideological nexus, I think Zudi Jasser calls it uh, the green red access access A X I S axis. Access. Um Others have called it that as well, the green red axis. It helps explain, if you will, how sometime devout Islamists like Ilan Omar can be so socially left wing in their politics because it's all an ideology that actually works nowhere else, trying to be imported here. Think about the kinds of places she defends and how far and how fast her political prescriptions on domestic policy would last or make it in those countries. Take, take Gaza. Take Iran. Uh, take, take any Islamist-governed society where she talks about the kind of individual and societal rights she talks about. They would never pass there. In fact, she'd be arrested for spouting them she could not get a job with her positions in the west bank and not because of israeli quote unquote occupation of the west bank she couldn't get a job at a university in the west bank because of how the palestinian authority views her positions on domestic politics whether they are about trans or alternative lifestyle rights or whether they're about abortion should be arrested. A long way around to saying, I think if you want weekend reading, I want you to read The Power and the Powerlessness by Vaclav Havel. And if you're looking for who to support in these Republican primaries, look at the people who fled or whose families fled countries of real tyranny, countries that they had to watch disappear. Countries can disappear. Countries can disappear. Countries have disappeared. Czechoslovakia disappeared Lebanon disappeared if you have people running and off for office in this country from those countries think about how important they will be to this country for them not wanting this country to also disappear six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero we'll be right back Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the good people at Balance of Nature. Their fruits and veggies are what I take every single day, a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables, all natural, all of it, every part of it, including the capsule. By the way, if you don't like swallowing capsules, vegetarian capsule that they're in, they're normal-sized capsules. They're deliberately designed to be opened and sprinkled into food or drink. Third-party tested for all kinds of impurities, boost your immunity your health and your energy naturally with balance of nature. Make sure to use discount code balance, favorite product I've ever taken. Do you realize it is now going on two days? Two days where the president of the United States has said said nothing, has said zero about an attempted assassination on a U.S. Supreme Court justice, even as the Democrats are trying to get us to understand how damaging it is to our democracy to have an insurrection against or an attack against one of our governing institutions. Is the Supreme Court one of them? I don't know. I grew up thinking there were three branches of government. Katrina Trinko, two days the president has said nothing. He did go on Jimmy Kimmel. He didn't say anything there, but he did go on Jimmy Kimmel that night, so we know he We at least have a proof of life. Katrina Trinko over at the Daily Signal writes, If someone attempts to murder a Supreme Court justice but corporate media barely covers it, did it actually happen? Sure, most outlets covered the news of the arrest of a man who, in the early hours Wednesday morning, arrived at Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home armed with a tactical knife, a gun with two magazines and ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, a hammer, screwdriver, nail punch, crowbar, duct tape, and a pistol light. But after reporting the basic facts, you know, that and that the suspect's name was John Nicholas Roski, that he had been deterred by the sight of two deputy marshals outside of Kavanaugh's home, American journalists just didn't rush into any analysis at all whatsoever. Because, of course, when it comes to political violence in the United States today, here's a maxim you can always rely on. If the victim or likely victim is on the right. The perpetrator is simply a lone wolf. If the victim or likely victim is on the left, perpetrator was fueled by dangerous rhetoric. Doubt me? Just consider how when then-Representative Gabby Giffords was shot in 2011, former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin was blamed for inciting violence with a map of the series of political targets on it, despite there being zero evidence tying Giffords' shooter to Palin. Yet in 2017, when a government shot five people at a Republican lawmakers practice ball game, baseball game in Alexandria, Virginia, there was little in the way of a national conversation. No need for a national conversation was there. Looks like 2017, not 2011, is the roadmap for what will happen in the aftermath of the attempted assassination Of Brett Kavanaugh, despite there being clear evidence, Kavanaugh's would-be shooter was indeed motivated by politics. As noted in the criminal complaint, the assailant or the alleged assailant Roski told police, quote, he was upset about the leak of a recent Supreme Court draft decision regarding the right to abortion. It's not that the leak that it's not the leak that bothered him. It was the contents of that leak, the position that Brett Kavanaugh took in wanting to overturn, or voting to overturn, deciding to overturn Roe versus Wade. In light of that motivation, it seems relevant to remember the remarks of Chuck Schumer just two years ago when he said, shouted, in front of the Supreme Court, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. seems a smidgen pertinent that in May last month, then White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki refused to condemn the protests outside of the Supreme Court Justice Holmes, which started after the leak draft of the Supreme Court's decision overturning Roe versus Wade, where the wor- most she could muster was to say, I hope they remain peaceful. And she dismissed the fact that those protests were illegal by simply saying, I guess they're illegal. I hope they remain peaceful. Who's dismissing rule of law? Who's dismissing the protection and sacrosanctity of our governing institutions, never mind normal, moral human decency? We'll come back to this when we come back. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Let's talk about an investment opportunity that the folks at Y-Refi, friends of mine, are offering up to you. They are offering, or any interested investor, a fixed no-load interest rate up to a 10.25% return for investors. It's in a collateralized and secure portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm. They are based here locally. You can meet with them if you'd like. They're not going to give you a Sales pitch of any kind. They'll just tell you what they do and let it speak for itself. It's remarkable, remarkable. They help people dig out a debt. They help people dig out a debt by actually paying off the debts and getting all the benefits of that, including FICO score recovery. Check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y and R-E-F-Y.com. Investyrefi.com. Or you can give them a call at 855 316 Zero eight seven. Larry is in Tempe. Hello, Larry. Larry, are you there? Are you on mute? Maybe. Hello. Yeah, there we go. Hello? How are you?
2: Hi. Hi. I didn't. I wasn't on mute, but I didn't hear your first words. So oh,
1: I'm, that's okay. It's been a while, my friend. How you been,
2: blind guys? How
1: you been? It's been a while.
2: It has been a while. I've been listening. I just haven't. Last time
1: oh. I heard your voice, Larry. You were two time
2: probably me. on Dennis. Yes,
1: favor. yes, it was. Yeah, yeah I know. I heard your voice. I recognized. I know there's more than one Larry in Tempe, but I recognized your voice. <laughs> yeah,
2: there may not be more than one Larry in Tempe that listens to you and Dennis.
1: That may be, but I got it. You know, all Oliver Wendell Holmes said, "All life is a competition." I just got to compete a little bit here. Um, I give you more time than Dennis, don't I? If we're being honest.
2: Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I
1: just had no, to questions. win. I had okay. to win one today. I had to win well,
2: there's, one. There, no. There's there's no competition whatsoever. Oh yes, there is. For me, <laughs>
1: there is. Not to there Dennis is. and not to you. For me, there is. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: there isn't. There isn't to me because I listen to both of you oh, as God much as I
0: you. can. Oh, God bless and
2: you. And appreciate what you do. So. I appreciate all um, you do
1: too. Thank you, Larry. Go ahead, yeah. sir. Sorry to. Sorry to.
2: No. No, that little, little bit. like that are are fun and interesting. Yes, they are. Good to, good to go that route. You know, I just been I for a while I have been astounded by the way the left has chosen to take on a view that the ends justify the means. Right. And I I think back to when I was growing up and I think we're close to the same age how there was a term... That I'm was 22. Ethics. You're 22? Yeah, I'm...
1: I'm Someone did that to me the other day. I, I'm kidding. I'm not. No, go ahead.
2: I'm not either, no. Okay. no. Um, actually, what I usually do is I tell people I'm 35 yeah. when I'm around my wife because I'm not 35. I'm not 35, but when we got married the pastor said something about Larry's 35 years old. Uh-huh. Well, at the time, I was not. I was 39 years uh-huh. old. And, and the pastor just said the wrong age, and uh-huh. I always say that to bug my wife. And perfect. People, so, <laughs> perfect. You know. But years ago, you know, that, that term of situation ethics.
1: Yes, situational but, ethics. That, that's right. It meant, yeah, it meant subjectivism. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was a negative thing, because you're making a decision on what happens based on, Varying factors. Mm-hmm. And the way I was raised is that from an ethic, ethics and moral standpoint, if those things change, then you have no firm, solid foundation upon which to stand. Right. So that's what the left is doing is, you know, it, it's beneficial to take kids to parades and nothing necessarily... No, you know, there's no reason pride parades can't occur, but to take kids to that when there may be nudity and other things involved to take to have kids taught in school. About, about taking, all ki-
1: K- taking kids to s- five-year-olds to strip clubs to watch yeah. transgender yeah. strippers gyrate, the new yeah. parents and are a, giving them dollar bills to stuff into their underwear. Yeah,
2: speaking about with yeah with the way it's okay. For people to go protest at Supreme Court justices' houses, even though it's against the law, it's okay because it it achieves our purpose and our goal. Exactly right. Well, that's twisted and backwards to what I was raised and what, for the most part, we on the right and conservatives tend to do, and that is, yes – we have an end we want to get to, Larry. But I got to tell you, let myself. me pause you for
1: a minute. I, you know, yeah. you're really you're really hitting a a, a a real a real tender spot in America right now with what you're saying because yeah. it's eminently true that there is, you know, there there's a difference between virtues and values. Our founders didn't talk about values; they talked about virtues. There's a difference between ethical and unethical there's a difference between right and wrong and it should not depend on circumstance and it isn't something quite honestly that was only a conservative viewpoint this was everyone's viewpoint once upon a time right i mean i grew up in a liberal household and i was taught what right and wrong was and i was taught Mm -hmm. what an easy road that looks long is and what a long road is that looks easy i was taught that the ends do not justify the means that's right that that is the concept of every tyrannical or revolution counter-revolutionary and revolutionary Mm -hmm. effort and movement i was taught that process matters i was taught that liberal democracies cared about process i was taught that processes matter that's why we have a bill of rights that's why we even have criminal defense and defendants rights i wish we had Victims' rights as much as we have criminal defendants' rights, but that's why we have those there, because process matters. How you govern matters more than who governs in liberal democracies, and it doesn't work that way with liberalism and the left anymore. That's what you're talking about.
2: That's exactly what I'm talking about, and it is so frustrating because, as has been spoken about, you've talked about it with education, so many of our younger people into the young adult years now because of the way they've been taught in social colleges and universities you know they're taught that the things of the past don't matter that the that what the way we did things before just simply don't matter anymore and it seems far too often that it does come back to as long as it goes my way then it doesn't matter how i get there and if that means I lie along the way, if that means I cheat and steal to get to what I want, then that's fine. But I'll tell you, I know you, from just what you were saying, it's the same as I believe. If what I accomplished was accomplished by lying, cheating, and stealing, I would be ashamed to say I accomplished
1: this. Yeah, and the liberals and the progressives used to teach that. I mean, I you know if you if you want to stay, I have to take a quick commercial break. But I love talking to you, and I also have to outdo uh, Dennis in my time for you. So if you want to stay, you're welcome to. If you got to go, I'll let you. But the sentiment you're articulating was summed up beautifully, beautifully by one professor, Heidi Feldman, at uh, Georgetown University, top ten university. She said this, we have only one political party in this country, the Democrats. The other group is a combination of a cult and an insurrection supporting crime syndicate. The only ethically and politically responsible stance to take toward the Republican Party is to consistently point out that it no longer is a legitimate participant in the U.S. constitutional democracy. Close quote. Law professor at Georgetown. Once you have that view, she said the quiet part out loud, once you have that view, Anything goes. You can do anything. We'll be right back.
2: <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the <laughs> Seth Leapson Show. Larry is in Tempe. Larry, have you ever heard that song before, that theme song, Hello Larry?
2: I I have. I have. And there's, there's another song that I just heard. My wife and her dad love. 50s and 60s music, yeah, and I like it too. But they, 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 years ago obsessed on it, <laughs> and, yeah. and there was no, I can't remember who the song was, but it was like, Hey, Hey, Larry, <laughs> and oh, I wish I could remember. We'll who get it. it was we'll get it now, for you. It was,
1: we'll get it for you.
2: Yeah, it was, it was, it was hilarious. She came across that one day and she started playing to playing it to me, and that's great. Of course, I had to laugh.
1: Yeah, no, of course. It's about a t- the one I was playing or Bill was playing was about a radio host. A TV yeah, show about yeah. a radio host whose name was Larry Alder. TV. Larry Alder was his Larry name. Larry
2: Alder he, instead of Elder. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: I used yeah. to tease Larry Elder about it.
2: <laughs> I think yeah. he
1: may have changed his name. But anyway, go ahead and make and uh, f- finish any thoughts you have about this notion, the ends justify the means, when you are fighting against a party that is worse than Hitler. When you are fighting against a party, the head of the Democratic National Committee and january said that the republican party is a party of fascism once you have painted your political opponents as your political enemies the opposite of what thomas jefferson said once you paint your political opponents as your political enemies akin to a foreign enemy or a domestic terrorist if you will none of the norms apply to them none of the rules apply to them and anything goes including anarchy or the deprivation of rights or constitutional protection, Larry. That's what we're dealing with here. I don't think enough people get this.
2: Yeah, and you no longer have to even address that side in debate or in anything that's of a healthy nature like debate so often can be or has in the past because why would I waste my time with these Hitler-esque people? Why would I spend any time... Why the, why well, I better give them the time of day because that just acknowledges their side? And, of course, you know far more people than I do in political circles and just people in general with their political views, but there's nobody I know who's conservative and Republican that believes that way. They're not Hitler-esque. They hate, hate the Hitler-esque thought as much as anybody else does. They're not white supremacists. They believe that skin color doesn't matter. Oh, heck, I'll do you one better. I think
1: we're more people. anti-Third Reich ethics than the other side. Oh, sure. When you think Absolutely. about what they do with race and how they put an import on it, I thought we ended that at Nuremberg. Yes. That's why I always say yeah. never again was one of the great lies of the 20th century.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, no, it's it's this, the minute you, in your mind at least, a person casts someone else, into the mind into the mold of you're the worst person that's ever walked on the, pla- the this planet then to give any time face to face with them would be to acknowledge them so that's the easiest lie to do is just i'm going to lie about it they i don't have to give them any time
1: larry you're the best man don't be a stranger Love hearing from you.
2: Oh, I, I I, won't. I still listen. All right. listen on every day Love hearing from you.
1: I got to run.
0: We'll be right, right back. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.